Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Now Project Baby stay in Calabasas. <laughs> Why'd you say it like that? That's what he said. Calabasas. Live from ESPN Studios in New York City, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Alan Hahn in for Max. Mm-hmm. And... Like I said, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Protecting your business with specialized coverage for your commercial vehicles, Key. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. So last night, Jay, you were in the building, right? You were at Barclays. You were there for the show. Yes. You had, early in the season, a little clash of the Titans, the Warriors who look like they're back, and Steph Curry looking like a guy ready to run for the MVP. Kevin Durant leading the league in scoring. Steph and the Curry Nets. is the MVP. Okay. He is the MVP. And so right we now. had a great matchup last night. And what we heard were MVP chants, but they weren't for Kevin Durant. They were for Steph Curry. How'd you feel about that? Well, they were for Kevin Durant in the first half. Then that third quarter happened. And then the Kevin Durant MVP chants got drowned out by the Stephen Curry. How do you know chants. who they're chanting for when they're just chanting MVP? Well, because it was when KD had the ball shooting for free gotcha. throws. All right. Um, but I would say, last night kind of gave me a bigger question about the whole scenario here. It was embarrassing for the Barclays Center last night. What? It was embarrassing for the Barclays Center last night. Why? And I get that Steph is the very likable person. I understand that. But it didn't feel like there was any home court advantage. When I go to MSG, last year during the playoffs, home court advantage. You feel it. Now, you may not agree or like everything that goes down with people spitting at Trey Young or whatever it may be, but there is an energy there where you know you don't got a chance to own this home court. This is ours. It doesn't feel that way when you go to the Barclays Center. Now, I'm a New Jersey Net fan. I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan. I told you guys this. Everybody knows this. Just hearing that, and I know that stuff gets love, but hearing the fact that Nets fans would let Golden State fans drown them out with MVP chance gives me the impression that this is going to be a problem as we get deeper into playoff basketball here. Saw it a little bit last year with Giannis and company. It's just something to pay attention to that I think is a problem. Alan Hahn, you call Nick games. You are a Nick fan. Would Stephen Curry have gotten louder MVP chance in the garden? If he was, if he knocked down nine threes, went for 37, he would get MVP chance but who, at who the you, Garden. But who on the Knicks are you comparing to be MVP? No, I know. Well, who the, only, the, Knicks the only guy saying, that gets those chances is Julius Randle. Okay, but like, we all know realistically Julius Randle is not in that conversation. I think it's a New York thing, man. I, it's a New York thing. There'll be a bigger walk-up because it's the Warriors and Steph Curry in both buildings because this is a let, basketball let city. Let me ask you but this. But I also so, think that Steph's going to get that wherever he go, though. He's, he's one of he's two a, in the league that so I think it's likeable. treated this way. It's like, yes. you know, the daughter, the family. The, it's just... Steph, yeah, like yeah. you I know, Steph too. You can't Steph do. A beast. He can't do anything wrong for the fan base. Maddening, isn't it? Yeah, no. I mean, that's you get players that are like that. You do. Let me ask you this, Mister Hahn, mm-hmm. diehard Knicks fan. Mm-hmm. If Damian Lillard came to New York and he were a Knicks player, do you still think we would be hearing MVP chants for Steph in the Garden? See, those are just you thinking about that, that for a that, second. No, 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 that's per, what you said there. Because there hasn't been a player right. of that magnitude right. for the Knicks. Michael Jordan yes. came back, 
drop drop 45. Nick Van Sweet wouldn't do it. Double nickels. They wouldn't do it. They he had those it. games when he came back from his hiatus. They, the crowd buzzed. It cheered, but it never did that, that. because it still was you were the opponent. I'll give you that. That's that part my is, thing. But th- but that's what Brooklyn's dealing with. By the way, I welcome you know to New York. Think of it though. You're walking in the, your building doesn't get filled yet by all your fans because you just don't have that's that. Why, that's you know the problem. So, you know what's so funny though? Well, maybe KD shouldn't have gone there. It, as we know. It, it's so funny about that though. I said he would he probably wouldn't get it in LA. No, he wouldn't, Key. I don't think he would get it in LA. I don't think he would get an MVP chance in LA. We no, would appreciate no, no, no. Which LA, though, watching him. Clippers, you, yes. No, Clippers, that's no, not Clippers, LA. Yes, no, no, not no, LA. That's not LA, though. That ain't <laughs> they just Wait, renting a building or something. When it was yeah. when it was all the kids, when it was Lonzo and all those young nah, guys. No, he still wouldn't have got it. The Lakers weren't gonna do that though. The Laker fan base. The fan base is the Laker do that. fans were going to sell tickets to the Warriors fans who would have filled the building, which is what happened nah, in Barclays last night. You have people nah. reselling. We don't tickets. do that. We don't do that. We don't do that. No, we don't. We don't do that. But you know how disrespectful that would be for Kobe we're Bryant. Not, we're not. First of all, we're not selling tickets to another team's fans to fill our arena. This is that's not what well, the, the Lakers do. The problem is do. that happens here in New York all the time because they're so expensive and you want to get money back, so you no. sell the big games. The Jets and Giants fans do it all the time. That's why Cowboys fans and Dolphins fans always fill no, they life. Won't do, they won't do that. They won't do that. They'll do that for the Chargers and the Clippers, but they're not going to do that for the Rams, and they're not going to do it for the Lakers. Yeah. That's exactly my point. Okay. How disrespectful is that to Kevin Durant? Like. But that's Kevin's problem. Kevin, I, I, I'm, Kevin I'm, I'm, chose I'm not saying this. it's not. I'm not saying it's not Kevin's. But problem. I don't think yeah. that's a disrespect to KD as much as it is a disrespect to the organization. So in the stadium, you just don't have enough fans. Let's yeah. even tie it all the way back. I got nothing to do. Let's tie it all the way back. Bring it back. So when KD won Finals MVP, mm-hmm. right? It became like a little thing that it was still Steph's team. Look, even go back and you could read where KD talked about. It. He never felt like it was something that was like his, right? Because the fan base never allowed it to be his. It was always Steph. Right. And there was that MVP chant. Even when KD was obviously the MVP of the league during those so, small amount of time he was there. Yeah. So you follow that around with now you're coming to a season where KD is at that Barcelona again with Steph, but you're on his home territory, his but court. But that's Allen speaking to the fans. That has nothing to do with KD, KD no, wasn't KD, and it was never going to be the fan favorite in Golden State because one guy was drafted there, had already won a championship yep. there, was beloved. The other guy came on board late. Right. You're right, I mean, though, Key. You're right. right. That, that, that goes to my point, though. KD now chose to come to Brooklyn and say, "This is mine. I'm going to build this." And then for that to happen there on his home court, you just that's like because of the player. In Steph Curry, the beloved player, I, they I love him. Right. A, well, but that, back to my point about Dame worth the Knicks. Uh, Nick fans, yeah, that's do a, that. that's a great point you just said about the Lakers. But this, Laker fans wouldn't do that. That's that goes to show you about Brooklyn fans. Like it, this is why, if you're Durant, in the back of your mind, you're asking yourself, "Did I really make the right decision?" Because mm-hmm. the guy I came here to play with, he ain't playing. Yep. And I'm in a city where no matter how good we are, we are still the second story. No matter what, the second story. They won't be the second story if they win a championship. Yes, they will. No, they will How could you be? No, they you wouldn't. just won a championship. Listen to me. Listen to me. The next day after the parade, the story will be how the Knicks can build a championship contender to take this on. No of one course. Will, it and doesn't and, and, flip and, and, overnight. And, and if the Knicks won a championship, the story would be how can the Nets build a championship? No, no it won't be that. No, it wouldn't. Knicks won a championship. I agree with you on we that. We would Alan. probably all, it would be rapture. 
We'd be gone. The Knicks won a championship. Be the city well, over. that's not going to happen. Though. The city just, will still be here. It's not going to be over. Just, no. Well, it will be the end of days. That. The city will still be here because the no, Knicks are not hard, winning a championship. Really hard. Well, really hard to imagine it. But how about this, though? The Nets are considered a championship contender, though, this year, right? Yes. They, they are. They have all the talent to do it. But their head coach, Steve Nash, already let us know this early in the season, they can't be in that conversation. Well, I just don't think we're in that category yet. We got a lot of work to do. We're trying to, you know, improve as a group, get better. And, um, you know, hopefully we can find a way to overcome some of our deficiencies by the end of the year. I think the guys have been great as far as buying into what we want to do defensively. No one would have picked us as a top 10 defense to start the year. We're defending. We're finding a way. I think offensively, we, you know, we have all these different lineups, different backgrounds, styles of play, 10 new players in our team. It takes time. You know, we started the year with a continuity plan from last year that got thrown out the window, obviously, when, when Kai didn't come back. So we're trying to build and figure it out. I mean, you play a really good defense, it really tests you. And I think tonight it was a great lesson for us that we got to double down on some of our principles um, when going gets tough. What do you think of that honesty from Steve Nash? I mean, uh, the, the back half of it, okay, it was like diarrhea of the mouth. I get the, the, mm-hmm. those, the, those are things that coaches say. That was coach speak. Understand. Absolutely. But the first part of it was pretty appalling to me. Oh? yeah. Well, you have two top five players in the NBA on the same team. Mm-hmm. And you just said that your team is not even in the same category as the Golden State Warriors. Right. A team that lost in Clay Thompson doesn't have him back. And they're playing with guys like Gary Payton, the second. Mm-hmm. It, Shoot, GP, the second. Jordan guy. D. Yeah. I, I agree with like his daddy. He's I agree with you, but it's like, uh, wow, that's a hell of an admission. He like, I don't D. know if I ever want to, like, key whip. Bill Belichick ever say we're not in the same category? Would he ever give that? Yeah, he would. He would say that. I mean, a lot of coaches would say that, though. Like, we're not in the same right now. Because even not a coach but a player and Anthony Davis just said a week ago after the loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves, yeah. we're not going to win a championship. It's not going to happen. Based yeah. on the way that you're playing, based on what Steve Curry – Steve Carlar, Steve Nash is looking at with his team, he's assessing his team and saying we're not – they just ran us out the building. There's nothing we, – we're not there yet. That's basically what he's saying. Based on the way we playing, we can't win a championship this way. Ain't no way in the world. I hear, it's just it, – when you, I hear what you're saying, Key, but it's not like the Nets are ranked, you know, 13th in the – they're third in the East. Yeah, but, but, but you're not you're – So not you're saying a, that the ceiling is still exponentially higher because they're not playing. Yeah, they're not playing good basketball. They, you, you're looking at the record. Is saying what well, a third in the East key, they, but they're looking at. You should notice they're looking at the way that they plan, the turnovers, the missed shots, the this, the not defending at the level they should be. They're allowing a guy who does it to everybody to hit forty footers with no problem at all, bottom of the net. He's just assessing where they're at today, and if they don't get better, and it's a small cry out to Kyrie, and if we don't get better, we ain't gonna win no championship. That's that's what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, and I also think it's a bit of a message sent to your team because yeah. he knows they're hearing yeah. all. They're going to hear that soundbite, yeah. and he wants them to hear it. All and, that, you know, be pissed off. The by problem it they're going to have is that continuity system, man. I don't like how they play. And I said it before: the attention that Steph attracts once he set his foot over half court, like the way guys cut back door, the way guys move without the ball, the chemistry that that team has. They're fun to watch I don't know again. if any other team in the league has that. Yeah, they're fun to watch again. There's no question about that. Hey, speaking of things that happen in New York, Uh-oh. we've got to get to another New York team that's trying to build something and maybe win a championship. But first, <laughs> let's go 
to the good. Why are we playing music? Speaking of New York, we've got another New York team oh, trying oh, to build a I see title. What I didn't realize it may be coming him up short. We bring him first. Buster only. Good, good, no, I'm, good. There I you go. On it. I just I didn't know we bring it. I didn't know Buster had his own soundtrack. Hey, this is gonna ring right yeah, now. I know it, Buster. Buster. Well, it is right now. Yeah. This is what you get for leaving us. I can't believe you jumped ship. I jumped ship. Buster only joins us right now on the Goodyear Hotline. Buster, good morning. You have your own walk-up music. I'm sure you love that. Second of all, uh, Wait, we Buster. have a show beef issue going yes. on here. Oh, I don't my know if gosh. you're aware of this. So I'm very I, aware. You are very aware. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I apologize in advance. So, Buster, I just want to read a note to you from yep. Rick and Dave. Oh, um, boy. Um, yeah. Yeah, they made me write it down mm-hmm. because, obviously, they were very emotional and very hurt, and they feel like they overstepped <laughs> the boundary. So they just wanted to say they apologize for everything. They would love to have you back on the show. And whatever you need, Buster, they are willing to make it work. So they are trying to beat you more than halfway, more like 90%, and they admit they were wrong, and they're sorry. You know, I I would suggest this. Just have the show producer, like, reach out and say, do you want to come on the show, right? Because I've been aware of this, but I didn't. I'm waiting for the request to come on, and otherwise, you guys know this. Like mornings, you're you got schedules, you got kids, you got stuff you're going on. And then when I heard about this early this morning, I was getting text messages. I'm like, you know what? This is kind of fun. I'm I'm curious to see what direction they go with this before I come on with you guys. <laughs> they went they went desperation. By the way, though, you could be honest though. Did Dave Rothenberg take it too far when you know he got excited about you DMing him? And then he asked for your yeah. personal number. Did did he take that too far? Uh, no, but I thought it was kind of funny and a little bit odd because, like, everybody in our industry, you know, if you, we all work at ESPN, we can all get each other's phone numbers. Like, Jay, you know, Key, I can I can reach out to folks at uh, the news desk. Hey, can I get their phone number? I got to run something past them. And so that's why I just thought it was kind of funny that he asked. I'm like, dude, ask your producer. He's got my number. <laughs> <laughs> very odd but they are both the problem is of course they're Mets fans so you know they don't really know how to act right now and you could argue that maybe the Mets didn't know how to act either because it took them forever to finally get yeah. a general manager and they might have lost a player by waiting so long so why did it take so long is it really that many of the candidates just didn't want to work in New York as Sandy Alderson said Guys, they, they flat out blew that part of it. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, think about it. They knew when Jared Porter was kicked out of baseball last February, they knew at that point they needed front office help. They knew they would need to get somebody. And the part that surprised me uh, was that as these names cycled through, you know, Theo Epstein and David Stearns and Billy Bean, uh, was that I, I, you know, was talking to people in August and asking them the question, do you think this person could you know, wind up with the Mets? I'm going, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> and I don't know why they took them so long to get through that part of the process because, yes, you can't speak to someone directly, but you can have off-the-record conversations and feel it out and work around the edges, and they literally lost weeks in waiting to make that happen. Uh, I don't think it cost them Noah Syndergaard, and I think the Mets – because he, uh, as in coming back from Tommy John surgery, barely pitched in 2021, uh, that they were a little bit queasy giving in that qualifying offer of 18.4 million, and they weren't willing to go on to go beyond that salary. 
And look, it's a no-loss situation for them in a sense in that they're going to get draft pick compensation for Syndergaard now. And for the Mets, it was a good decision to offer him that. But I don't understand why it took so long for them to get to this point where it looks like now they're going to have Billy Epler in place as general manager. So, Buster, you know, the Yankees are out there sniffing around shortstop land in L.A. And, uh, you know, the pursuit of Corey Seager, which I don't know what we're doing. And then we got Carlos Carrera out there. What's the latest on the shortstop money that's out there? Yeah, and so from what I understand, the Yankees and other teams have absolutely blanched at the asking prices on Seager and on Correa. And that doesn't mean they won't necessarily circle back and, and do something, but I think the, the numbers, uh, uh, I think, maybe are at the moment concerning for them. When you're talking about Correa and Seager asking for 10 years and asking for you know north of $300 million, <laughs> with Aaron Judge's situation having to be resolved either this winter or before he becomes a free agent next fall, I don't know if they'll go there. Uh, yes, I do think they're going to wind up with one of the you know the elite shortstops uh, in the marketplace. You know the other two options besides Correa and Seager are Trevor Story, Marcus Simeon, are two other guys to look at. I think the Yankees will go there, and I think they're going to spend big on a starting pitcher. And I'm sure you guys have heard all about you know, their, their conversations with Justin Verlander to this point. Mm-hmm. If they wound up with Verlander and, say, uh, you know, Simeon or Trevor Story, that wouldn't surprise me. Why, why is Seager what, – what, what, why aren't we trying to retain him? Is the money just too – is it too rich for us? Who, who's we? L.A. Dodgers, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, it's interesting because in, in late in the season, a lot of folks – you know, talking to Dodger people felt like, you know what, Seager's going to move on, uh, that the two sides would not work something out. I'm hearing more confidence, actually, in the last 48 hours that the Dodgers are going to be right down to the wire. Now, the team to watch in the Seager situation are the Texas Rangers. Um, you know, they're trying to redo their roster. They're trying to redo their culture. Their manager, Chris, uh, Chris Woodward, is very close with Seager from his time as a Dodger coach. Um, you know, folks I talked to yesterday were more confident that Seager's going to wind up back with the Dodgers. Just a question of L.A. making the choices, key uh, yeah. with what they're going to do with their roster. No, I, I know. I just I asked that because a couple years ago, Machado, we, you know, we had that whole Machado Seager coming off an injury. What would we do? And then we kept Seager, let yep. Machado go. But now all of a sudden, Seager getting ready to leave us a couple years later. But you know how it is, Buster. Buster, I do want to ask you, how much do you think Correa's latest comments that Derek Jeter should not have won a single gold glove would hurt him if the Yankees do sign him? None. Uh, I think it, that that stuff uh, doesn't make any difference at all. It comes down to asking price and, what, and whether or not the Yankees are comfortable with the number. Um, you know, Correa, without a doubt, among the elite shortstops, had the best year. It felt like he was putting an audition tape together during the postseason. He was so good. Leadership, offense, defense. He's, uh, you know, among the shortstop candidates. He's one of the guys who you can say, yeah, he's going to be a shortstop for years to come. He's the youngest of the group. But there are questions in the industry about his physical state and whether or not you know, lower back issues he's had in his career are, are something to be concerned about long term. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah if uh, Carlos Correa came to the Yankees and said, look, I, I want to uh, work this out with you no matter what. You know, I'll take a lot less money to sign with you guys. I think they absolutely would work through that and all the, you know, the fan backlash about the sign stealing. But I, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. I think Carlos is going to wind up with a huge number. Why would he even say that, though? 
Like, what, what would make somebody say I, I, something well, like that to well, a fan base a that question. you have a chance to go play for? Uh, but that's that, 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 that withstanding. Buster, you were front and center for Jeter's pretty much his entire career. Is, is I've seen people come up with analytics that say, yeah, actually, Jeter wasn't a very good shortstop. Was it wasn't a good defensive shortstop. What do you say to those types of comments? Because Correa is not the first one to say it. He's just the first player to say it, which obviously got a lot of attention. And Jay, your question is dead on. Like I, I've known Carlos a long time, and I would ask him that very question: Why would you bring that up now? Because yeah. <laughs> most of the time, as you guys know, when these free agents hit the hit the market. They, they don't talk to anybody. Like, they're not saying it. anything to anybody because they don't want to, you know, raise questions like, hey, for the Yankees, for the New York fan base, uh, is that the direction they want to go? Yeah, during Gigi's career, the perception was he was uh, at his best an average shortstop, uh, that there were times there was a feeling that his offensive production actually helped him win a Gold Glove Award. But I will also tell you this. In many conversations with folks in the Red Sox front office and the players saying, with two outs in the ninth inning, who would you most want to hit the ball, the ball hit to? And the answer was Derek among shortstops. They had enormous respect for him. Yeah, they knew that there were probably plays that he wasn't making that other shortstops were making, but they also thought it wasn't like he looked at the Yankees and said, yeah, they struggled in this time period because of Derek's defense. Yeah, clutch, right? That's one thing you really can't exactly. is just how, how big the big plays that he did make in the right moments. Buster, great to talk to you as always. Thanks so much, and you know we'll do our best trying to mend this relationship you have with <laughs> DPH. Hey, Buster, Robert. I want you to know I just sent you a DM asking <laughs> you for your number. <laughs> Thank you. Gee, you know, crazy. Thank you. All right, Buster. Buster only on the Goodyear hotline. Keyshawn J. Will Max presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming up, a defensive guru? Is that reputation or reality for one NFL coach? Key will have the answer next. Keyshawn J. Will and Max, ESPN Radio and Sirius XM, Channel 8. Keyshawn J. Will and Max, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. 
KJM, ESPN Radio, Alan Hahn, in for Max. What, what happened? Are you DMing somebody now? No, I don't uh, do I don't have social no, media. No, no, yeah. no. Never had. No, no, they, no. They were asking for certain things during the break, and I wanted to help them out. That's all. No, 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 no. It's all truth there. It's all truth there. <laughs> they were asking for certain things. I wanted, them to, I wanted to direct them and make sure they went in the right direction. Yes, I saw what Key was talking about. I said, oh, yes. oh I see the diversity. Yes. Yeah. I see. Thank you. Well... <laughs> I'm on the right track. As you on hear right Evan Wilder's voice, it is time for reputation or reality, Evan. Yeah, this is my time to ask Key anything. Ooh. Ask Key anything brought to you by Goldman Sachs. Open a high yield online savings account from Marcus Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC. Great sponsor. Robert Sala is a defensive guru. Is that his reputation or is that reality, Ooh. Key? You know, this is a tough one because he's a new head coach that you, he hadn't really have a full deal going yet. I would say right now it's all based on his reputation. Even though he doesn't have everything that he needs at his disposal right today. I haven't seen enough in the defense, even though they beat Tennessee and they beat Cincinnati, that makes me believe that everything is headed in the right direction. There's certain things that you could see that you go, Oh, okay, they, if they get this player, that player, they're going to be really good. I think right now it's a little bit of the reputation side of things that he's kind of dealing with. I would agree with you. You know, coaches are only as good as the players. They have to have some dudes on their team defensively. But I, I think one of the things that I've seen from the Jets this year is just the lack of fight, the lack of passion that I think I've been able to see from Urban Meyer's team in the Jags at least it looks like they want to play defense. I, I'm not saying that the Jets players don't. I just don't see that same kind of drive that you would see from Urban Meyer's team. Totally reputation. I mean, <laughs> come on. Jeez. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. Put up the numbers, then we start believing it, then it becomes reality. As Rex said, he's used to finishing last. He'll probably finish last again this year. Oh, my goodness. At least he's used to it. You not guys wrong. are Jets. Not wrong. Jay, Michael Jordan, better score than Kevin Durant. Is that reputation or is that reality? Reputation. Reputation. KD is seven feet tall, can do all the things with the ball that a guard can do. And it's easy for me to say KD is the most prolific offensive scorer in the history of the game. And I can say it with a straight face. I said he was the best seven-footer in the history of the game, and people came at me. I don't know why. Like I said- it was an awful take because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like – Kareem Abdul-Jabbar needed Jay Williams to give him the basketball. KD doesn't need that. What seven-footer in the history of the game does what Kevin Durant does? Here's what I'm going to say. No one. Here's what I'm going to say. You can't talk basketball without talking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So let's that, That's a fact. Let's, that, let's just that's stop. I said, though. Let, I understand fact. that, but let's that's just stop. a different stop. conversation. I, that's not even a conversation. Not the question. Just, I, both of y'all be quiet. Let's just stop there, Alan. In terms of the Michael Jordan-Kevin Durant comparison – they never played against each other. It was different air and different times. Michael Jordan didn't have to take a ton of threes. He didn't have to do those sort of things. He went to the cup because he could. 
Nobody could defend him. It's worth asking it's, it's, that. It's, if, it's, if, the three, if the three had the same value it did today, in today's game, would Michael Jordan have developed into a great three-point shooter? Well, think about it. He developed into a lot of things that he wasn't at once upon a time. That's right. Yeah. Yes, that is right. He was a great, he now was great you may, at evolving his look, game. Look, now you may speak, oh, Mr. Hahn. Now I get permission. I've already spoken. I made my case about the best seven-footer. I mean, comparing two skill sets like that, wow, what great. a hell of a conversation. Let's stay in the NBA. Alan Hahn, Steph Curry, greatest three-point shooter of all time, reputation or add? reality? That's, that's just right. no, no. That, yeah, that that's, is that is straight up reality. He's on pace to make 445 three pointers. When he set the all time record of 402, his own previous record was 286. So, like, what he's doing is off the charts as a shooter in a game that the three pointer is more valued now than ever before in the history of the game. So, because of it, yes, greatest three point shooter. Can I? No. Yeah, what was <laughs> he was uh, waiting to get in there? Yeah. Then his arm died. Dude, <laughs> as they say, dude. Seriously, we're talking about three pointer, Jay. The damn league was discussing or turning it into a four pointer, moving it back more because of dudes like this, shouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Like, come on, though, Jay. It, it, shouldn't well, they? This is not even a question. Should I, we add a four point line? Oh, I would. From an entertainment perspective, Ooh. I would love it. I would love it. It would be ugly, though. Bad shooters be trying to shoot for, for the four-point line. Well, there are guys that, that talks do more about skill Man, set. think about it. Draymond trying to pull up for the four-point line. <laughs> he shot a three last night. It looked like it was even with the rim. It went in, though. <laughs> he, yeah, as I say, he made it. I was like, damn, he looked like me out there. <laughs> the change in strategy, though, that it would cause with, like, two-possession game oh, now being oh, a five-point game, yeah. like, I need it. it but but that conversation Chaos. only – that conversation – nothing. My whole point is that conversation only came up because of Steph Curry. Agreed. That conversation never was, never came up for Reggie Miller or nobody else. Yeah. Only for Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. I uh, do think, though, if you allow kids to play with that, you will have more players that will become more adaptable to that that distance from the rim. I mean, Dame could shoot from there. Lamelo could shoot from there. Shoot the ball from half yeah, court. The first CYO <laughs> game you go to where a kid just stops at half court and just starts chucking. That's kids exactly. Are trying to do that now. Anyway. That's exactly what would happen. So the four point. What, what's the what's the three point line now? Like how far back is it? I and guess 24, 24, and 24, 24 and a half. Yeah, so and then, half, yeah. 20, no, more than the May, I don't know. I so now they're going to be moving that thing back to what? What are you going to get? If you got 24 or something like that, they're going to move it back to 27, 28, maybe? 30. Have to, no, I think 30. Now, all of a sudden, instead of shooting it right at the 30. And you couldn't take it in the corners, obviously. It's only above the break. Yeah, so, so now all of a sudden, instead of shooting at 30, they're going to be backing up to 40, which is basically so half court. 22 foot, yeah, 22 foot three point. It's 22 line. now? So imagine they're gonna be instead of shooting it at the four, they're gonna be backing up even further. I don't even know the dimensions of an NBA court. You're like, hey, the Harlem Globetrotters. You don't need to. We can just. All right, Allen. Football field. Football field's 100 yards, guys. 120 (laughs) if you include the end zones. We know that. (laughs) The Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. Is that reputation or reality, Key? I think it's reality right now, today. Today it's reality, although Tennessee Titans are 8-2, and two, but it's a different type of 8-2. and two. If they had Derrick Henry on their team and they were 8-2 and two and he was there, and I would say that's the case. But I can't say that's the case because Derrick Henry isn't there and Adrian Peterson is the running back right now. And AP, come on, man. I mean, I love AP. Cool, he's good for a two-yard plunge, but that's really it. It's reputation. Titans are, the, are playing the best in that conference right now. But if the Kansas City Chiefs – Beat the Dallas Cowboys this weekend, I will give the nod to the Chiefs. 
Yeah, their rep is is based on, again, the demonstrated performance, and that's what we're seeing, and we just saw what they looked like last week. If we see more of it, it'll be hard to say no. It becomes reality. All right, last one. Alabama quarterbacks can't play in the NFL. Reputation <laughs> or reality, Key? Reality. What? You only got one dude doing good. One guy. Mac Jones. That's the only one. Are we not including Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts went to Oklahoma, man. Stop trying to give them something that they, <laughs> they, they can't claim. You cannot claim that. His most success or his – is that one the right word it says? year. Exactly. He was mostly six. Well, nope, that's not easy. Nope, Wait, which one am I looking nope. for? Remix. <laughs> uh, <laughs> keep finding it. Keep not, searching. Um, yeah. Most of his success <laughs> came from Oklahoma <laughs> in his last year. He was drafted based on Oklahoma, not on Alabama. One and, year. and he, he was there for ag- one again, again, year. he developed at Oklahoma. He, he did was not a just start on a national championship team. He lost his starting job in to the Tua. Game. In the game. And he never regained it again. But he was still Are you listening among the to best me? players in the country that year. Okay. He and Jalen Hurts yes. lost his starting job. You don't have the right to claim him <laughs> because he had his most successful season there you go. at Oklahoma. You don't get to claim that. Even if his degree is from Alabama. So Jalen Hurts, trash. Like, not a good quarterback. No, no, no. no. He, he's not from Alabama. He's from Oklahoma. This is an Alabama question. So it's, All right, so two is no good. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I don't, I ain't, you don't rock do, with him. Do you think the Dolphins think he's good? So why are they flirting with all these other quarterbacks? Clearly do not. It's, it's, exactly. Well, you can still be good. You're just not elite. No, you can still be, you can good. Still be good. But I think, it, look, first I, of all. I just I, say that, Kika, sometimes when you and I – Knowing the levels to it, when we say, you know, he ain't that good, like people, no, like fans are like, oh, yeah, he's a bum. Like, oh, he's not no, a he's bum. No, he's a pro. He's I mean, a pro. He's a pro. He's does, not, Nick Saban, not... does Nick Saban talk about Jalen Hurts like he's one of my guys? I don't, nobody ever really talks to him about Jalen Hurts. Would he? He would, if, if the conversation comes up, what Nick would say is Jalen Hurts is a stand up okay. well, guy. Question's he's positive. He's yeah. an Alabama quarterback. No, but they, the high school coach is going to talk about him. The Georgia coach. Right. I mean, well, speaking like, of Alabama, can they be the first two-loss playoff team? Should they? The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. 
Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. KJM, ESPN Radio. Alan on him for Max, and we go right now to the Goodyear hotline because we have the college football playoff rankings that come out, and really no changes, but still a lot to discuss with this because there could be a change. Actually, there could be a change in a record that doesn't change the ranking. So we go to our expert, Heather Dinich, who joins us right now on the Goodyear hotline. Heather, what is your biggest takeaway from the last night's rankings? I know there's no changes, but did you have an opinion on why there were no changes? Well, I mean, I think it's just because everybody won and there wasn't a lot to really move anything except for, obviously, Oklahoma. And so, to me, that was the one glaring message, which is the Sooners are toast. I mean, they are out of reach of the college football playoff. And if the Big 12 is going to have a hope at putting somebody in the top four, that rests on the shoulders now of Oklahoma State. And Gary Barta talked yesterday about how much they like Oklahoma State's defense, but also noted the progress that they've been making offensively as well. The question that I have moving forward is how much does a win against Oklahoma do for Oklahoma State? Because clearly that's been devalued as Oklahoma has now mm-hmm. dropped behind some two lost yeah, teams. 13th. Heather's uh, re- rankings reaction is brought to you by Wendy's right now at Wendy's. Try their brand-new fries for yourself with fries that are guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or they'll replace them at our participating U.S. Wendy's. Heather, you had suggested that the committee could, but probably wouldn't, uh, put Michigan ahead of Cincinnati. In the end, they ultimately kept the teams at five and six in those spots. Why didn't they make the bonehead decision to make that leapfrog? Well, the win against Notre Dame on the road still carries a lot of weight in that committee meeting room. I mean, that is really what Cincinnati is hanging its hat on at this point because Gary Barta said last night that every week Cincinnati's strength of schedule, which is 101st in the country right now, continues to be a topic of discussion in that room. And while Michigan got a gritty win against Penn State, The Nittany Lions remain unranked, obviously. They do consider it a good win, but there was not a lot of discussion about any degree of closeness between Michigan and Cincinnati at this point. Heather, Kirk Herbstreit and Joy Galloway discussed the possibility of a two-loss Alabama team getting into the playoffs. What's the path for that to actually happen? Well, I certainly wouldn't rule it out, especially as Alabama has been sitting there at number two pretty steady. But given that Gary Barta said last night that there was a lot of discussion about two, three, and four, more so than in past weeks, it leads me to question just how secure Alabama is in that number two spot. And while I do believe that there's a possibility that a two-loss Bama can get in this thing, 
I think it has to be an absolute thriller, an instant classic in order for them to justify it. Now, if Alabama goes and beats Georgia, I think you see two SEC teams without any hesitation. But if it's the other way around, uh, I think it's going to be increasingly difficult for them to justify that. But I will say that it's hard to answer that in a vacuum without knowing, are we talking about a two-loss Oregon that wins the Pac-12 and and a two-loss Big 12 champ? And does Cincinnati lose to Houston and the American Athletic Conference championship game? Because all of those things will help answer that question if that's how that scenario unfolds. Heather, as we're talking about you know the, these rankings, and, and this is really the focus has been on Cincinnati, the season they've had, and this group of five, which, by the way, can they come up with a better name? You go from power five to group of five. It's very condescending, in my opinion. Meanwhile, we are wondering where, you know, where they will end up, right? And the feeling is that it's almost like no matter what they do, like you just mentioned, some people are thinking Alabama can have two losses and still get in. Is this a message? If, if Cincinnati does what they're supposed to do and they still can't get into the top four, is that simply a message to the group of five? Like no matter what you do, you will never really have a chance to play for a national championship. You know, it's hard to say that if it, if it doesn't happen this year, it's not going to happen. Right. And uh, in December, on December 1st, the 10 FBS commissioners and Jack Swarbrick, who comprise the CF management committee, CFP's management committee, are going to meet again in person in Dallas to talk about playoff expansion. And, of course, what's happening and unfolding this season is part of those conversations, but that decision to expand the playoff is not going to be made on a knee-jerk reaction based on what happens to Cincinnati. And, and I should note, that meeting is going to happen the day after the fifth of six rankings is revealed. So it's certainly going to be a part of the conversation. I mean, you have five group of five commissioners in there, and uh, Mike Oresco of the American Athletic Conference will agree with you 100%. He, of course, also hates the phrase group of five. Right. Um, but, you know, the, it's it's all part of it. If Cincinnati doesn't get in, especially because they're sitting there at the number five spot. And Gary Barta said last night that there has been no consideration whatsoever, no discussion in that committee meeting room to this point about jumping Notre Dame over Cincinnati in spite of that head-to-head, that you would have to think common sense says they need one more upset and we could see history. Heather, uh, there's seven, you know, top seven teams that play this weekend. I know one of mine I know is going to be on upset alert for me. Which one of these top seven are an upset alert for you this weekend? Well, to me, it's Oregon. Yes. And it, yeah, yeah, see, mm-hmm. same page. There we go. Um, I, look, ESPN's Football Power Index gives them less than a 40% chance to win at Utah. Utah's a top 25 team. They are a gritty team. These two teams could see each other again in the Pac-12 championship game. But that is a tough game. That's the most difficult remaining game on Oregon's schedule. And if they lose, they have two Pac-12 losses, and one is a bad loss to Stanford. So that is, I mean, like gut instinct, they're out, they're out right? But, again, right. you have to see how it all plays out. Heather, we got to leave it right there. Thanks so much, as always. All the best. Thanks, guys. You got it. Heather Dinish brought to you by Eckrich. Smoke sausage, real MVP for any tailgate. Pick it up at your local grocer. Coming up, Loudmouth Player, Loudmouth New York Sports Talk Radio. That's next. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. 